message, what you're, what you're looking at. Okay, let me begin. For any of you that weren't in here this morning, I'll tell this story again. But uh, Brother Ray kept saying this name. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. Oberammergau. Oberammergau? Only it just rolled. He, was like, he said it like a one-syllable word um, in his uh, um, Cajun dialect or Louisiana. And he's not Cajun. His Louisiana dialect. Oberammergau. And um, so I told the story this morning about how in the 1600s, the the Black Plague uh, had gone through, the bubonic plague, it was called the Black Death, had gone through Europe, and uh, it had made its way into this little town in the Bavarian Alps called Oberammergau. And um, they realized that it had arrived, and so some people in this town, uh, the people got together and had a prayer meeting, and they told the Lord, if uh, if you will spare us from this a bubonic plague, we will do something to glorify your name. And uh, he did. The people who had the plague recovered, and it, it was like the, the plague just swept through and went around their town. It was, it was miraculous. And so they kept their word, and uh, they developed the Passion Plague. Uh, this town is the root of, of what is now a very common thing in the world, the Passion Play, which is a, uh, a depiction of the, of the end of the Lord's life, his crucifixion, and his uh, burial and his resurrection. And to this day, every 10 years, they put on the Passion Play, and uh, all of the actors and actresses come from this town of Oberammergau. And uh, so what, what you see in front of you here, I told this story again, because I want to show you just three pictures, and then I want to, there's something that I want to show you in the pulpit, and then I want to show you uh, something from the scriptures, and it all relates to it relates to the Lord's Supper, and it relates to the time of year, uh, the very special time of year that uh, we have just entered into, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. All right, so there's the theater that uh, where they uh, put on the Passion Play every ten years. All righty, and then let me show you. It's amazing all through this region uh, at any given time. And I have to say, it's, 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 the architecture is unbelievable. The quaintness of the towns is just, is just you, you sit and stare at Okay, I brought a book to read because I always have a book somewhere nearby and uh, really didn't have the opportunity to read it. Why? Because you never wanted to miss what you might see out the window. Uh, all of the driving, we did a ton of driving, and uh, you never knew what you were going to see next. It was just fascinating. And, but, but one of the things in this region is the murals that are painted on the side of the building. Let me give you an example of one. This is a mural depicting, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. There it is. Um, depicting, uh, this is not, if you look carefully, well, all these guys are in, like, you know, Puritan garb. I don't know if they were Puritans. They weren't Puritans, I don't think. But uh, what's that? Uh, well, what this is depicting the planning of the Passion Play. Do you get that? You see? And this is, oh, this is on the side of, the side of a building. And uh, they're, they're planning the Passion Play. And that's why they have a, a uh, depiction of Jesus on the cross. But everyone else is in uh, local garb of the period. All right, so this particular mural, and to be honest, I wish I had, 
had the opportunity to take pictures of more specific murals because in this one little village there were there were dozens of them and uh, I got a picture of just a couple and the other ones weren't uh, weren't related to the life of Christ but there were many that were related to the life of Christ I didn't get pictures of so let me broaden this building and show you uh, this building right here so that's the top of this building right here now this building right here is a uh, it's a gift shop but most of what's in this gift shop right here is carvings and so uh, Amy and I we went there first and, and the first time that we went there it was closed. It said, be right back. And so we went across the street to a little uh, bakery and grabbed a ham and cheese sandwich. And the reason we got ham and cheese sandwich is because that's the only kind of sandwich they had. And so uh, we walked in, and the Youngs just happened to be sitting there. And Brother Ray said, you got two choices here, ham and cheese or cheese and ham. And so we went with the ham and cheese. And uh, it was a ham and cheese sandwich, and praise the Lord, they had a cooler with Coke Light in it. So I got my Coke Light, and Amy got a, an iced tea. And by the time we were finished eating, we went back, and the, the uh, sign was gone. So we went inside, and um, we, we, we don't have, at our house, we don't have a nativity scene. So uh, we began our collection. Uh, you, there's all kinds of nativity uh, scenes that are sold there, but we began our collection. There is uh, Joseph, and you have to buy... They call, they, you have to buy the family. That's what they call them. You have to buy the family together. And there is Mary. And look at this. Um, and these are hand-carved. Everything's locally hand-carved from Ashwood. And um, this, is, this is the manger. And um, this is the baby Jesus. And you can, look at this, you can put him in the manger or you can put him in his mother's arms right there. And so... So we, we began our collection, and what they do, you don't have to go back there to uh, continue the collection. Uh, when you choose the, the collection that you want, they, you, you go to pay for it, and uh, they have this big basket of catalogs under the counter, and they find the catalog that corresponds with the set that you've chosen, and uh, in the future, you, uh, you, can, you order from them and you just let them know which set you want and what you want next. Do you want a camel? Do you want the wise men? You have to buy the wise men all together. You have to buy the shepherds all together. And you just keep adding and adding and adding. And uh, so I didn't just do that for show and tell, all right? Let me t show you why I did do that. Look at First John chapter 4. You know, my wife made a, just as we were talking this afternoon, she made a um, uh, profound statement. Profound statements just flow out of her mouth. And um, she said, you know, we're at a time in the, in the season where you feel like it's too early to celebrate. And then by the time you do feel justified to celebrate, um, you feel like, man, I wish I had started, or started earlier. So what I want to try to do tonight is to encourage you to feel comfortable getting in the 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 birth of Christ spirit. All right, you can you can get in the Santa Claus spirit on your own, but I want to get you into the birth of Christ spirit. Look at First John chapter four and verse number two. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh 
is of God. Now, we're not going to address that, uh, the, the spirit part of it, even though I would love to, because that is so profound right there. Such great teaching about the spirit of God, that the spirit of God and the, the, the incarnation of Christ, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, those two things are inseparable. There's no spirit of God that is, does not exalt the incarnation, the deity of Jesus Christ. And so those two are in, but, but that's not really where I'm going. What I want you to focus on there is that statement, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, because it's in verse 3 also. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, wherever you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Would you do me a favor while we read the next verse and look up, um, oh, come all you faithful, and let me know what uh, page it's on. Don't you do it. I told her to do it. You stay in the Bible, all right? Do what you're told for crying out loud. Um, I'm gone a week, and all, already you're a bunch of rebels. Um, I'm teasing. Look at, uh, look at, I saw two heads go down. And anyway, um, second John, turn to second John now. And verse number seven says, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. You got a number for me? All right, take your songbook, turn number 138. 138. Now, you know me, I love music, I love to sing. But sometimes the singing of a song can become so familiar to us that we really miss the words. All right, so I want you to follow along as I read this, the words of O Come, All Ye Faithful. And then I want to show you, and probably every year I show it to you, I want to show you my favorite line, or one of my, there's several favorite lines I have. In all Christmas songs, this is one of my favorite lines. O Come, All Ye Faithful, Joyful and Triumphant. Come, come joyful, come triumphant. O Come Ye, O Come Ye. To Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Born. The king of angels. Verse 2. Sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. Oh sing all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God. All glory in the highest. Verse 3 has my favorite line. Yea Lord. We greet thee, born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Here it is, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. That sends goosebumps up my arms and back like I can't even tell you. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Jesus Christ is this right here, 
in a body of flesh. It's exactly who he is. John 1, the word became flesh. The word, I think it says the word was made flesh. I trip on that. You do have this when you quote something and it flows, you got it. But if you, if you try to do it out of context, you, you start second-guessing yourself. I believe it was made, but I have to, I have to find out here. Boy, this is a casual sermon, isn't it? Uh, the word was made flesh. Yeah, got it right. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Now in flesh appearing. We go back to John, 1 John and 2 John. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now I want you to get this, okay? We, we strive to cause the lost world to believe that the Bible is the word of God. And the best way to help someone believe that is to let the word of God do its work. We don't go door to door and teach lessons on, well, here's how you know it's the word of God. Just like you don't, you know, you don't go up to an enemy in war with a bayonet and give him instructions on um, why this thing can hurt you. You just run them through, you know. And the same is true with the word of God. Now, you need to know how you know, how, you, how do you know the Bible is the word of God? Uh, but the fact is, when we speak to a lost person, we just, pardon the expression, but we just run it, run it through them. We just take the sword of the Spirit, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and uh, we just give it to them. And so, that's what we're, that's, we, the, the okay, a person who's saying, prove to me that your faith is valid. Well, there we need to begin with the Bible as the Word of God, and the Bible says so. Once we come to understand that the Bible is the Word of God, everything else that needs to be proven is proven from the Scriptures. Do you get that? We don't begin at the same point where we began proving that the Bible is the Word of God. Now we go to the Scriptures, because, because now we accept the, the Scriptures as the Word of God, so does the Bible teach... Uh, do you know that there was a time in, in church history where some credible teachers were teaching that, no, the Bible does not teach that Jesus is that Jesus is God, that he was God. It doesn't teach that. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, an error that crops up from time to time. So what I want to stress to you tonight before we go to the Lord's Supper is this statement, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Having already accepted that the Bible is the word of God, now whatever the Bible says, that's where we get our doctrine. Okay? So, all right, now I believe the Bible is the word of God, so does it indeed teach that Jesus is God? Well, listen, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh it says right out, he was already somebody before he came in the flesh. Right? When, when, when a baby is born, 
you don't, you know, what are we going to name him? Well, let's name him Bob, okay? And so here's Bob, and he's born. He's a newborn baby. You don't say, look at there. There's Bob coming to flesh. No, he just became Bob when he was born. But John says three times, and he says it in other ways in his gospel, that uh, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. What he's saying is Jesus Christ already was before he, before he came in the flesh. So this statement assumes the fact that Jesus is God. It assumes the fact that he existed before he was born in the manger. All of Christian doctrine rests on the fact that Jesus is God. The deity of Christ, that's the, the, the teaching that Jesus is God. The deity of Christ, it's a sacred truth. It's, all, it's something that ought to be so dear to your heart. And uh, all these false doctrines, you know, you can sit and listen to a, a Jehovah's Witness talk and talk, and if you're not careful, you'll come away thinking, you know, he, he, he believes a lot like I do. He'll say a lot of the same things as you, but there's one, if, if you can't find any other difference, this is the one that separates us totally. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. And everything we believe rests on that. If Jesus isn't God, you're not saved. Your sins are not forgiven. If Jesus isn't God, I could die for your sins as much as he did. It would have the same effect if I died for your sins, if he's not God. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus is God. Everything rests on that. So that's the difference between me and Jehovah's Witness. That's the difference between me and a Mormon. You'll even hear Muslims say, oh, Jesus was a great prophet, great teacher. You may hear some of these various groups and people say, he was a son of God. And now that they know that we're on to them, they might even say the son of God, but they don't mean it. They don't mean it. They don't believe that he is the son of God, God the son, God in the flesh. They do not believe that. They may word it in such a way to persuade you. I don't know about you. Do you ever search something? I guess I haven't seen it lately. But there was a time where every time I searched something online, with the word Christian in it or Jesus or Jesus Christ, I would get a Mormon ad. Why? Because they are trying to persuade us and everyone else, oh, yeah, we're Christians too. No, you're not because you don't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I'm saying the, the deity of Christ is a sacred truth. It is an essential, absolute, essential that's an understatement. It is, it is the essence. Well, that's where the essential comes from. It is the essence of our doctrine. When the Ethiopian soldier wanted to be saved, what did he ask Philip? What, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And what did Philip say? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And by the way, I'm pretty sure that verse isn't in the NIV. Do you believe that Jesus... There's a verse somewhere in there that's completely missing, and I think that's the one... Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, have you ever said that when you went soul winning? I never have. But that's what Philip said. That that was the essence 
of what it took for him to go down there and be baptized. So in other words, that was the essence of what it took to be saved. Why would you say such a thing? Because understanding what they, what they were understanding in their day and that he was reading the Old Testament, it all boiled down to this one thing that was the difference between life and death, the difference between life, life and uh, light and darkness was this one question. Was he God or was he not? And that's, that's, that's the difference. That's why all kinds of people will display this right here over the next three weeks who are not going to heaven. Why? Because they don't believe he was God come in the flesh. They just think, oh, it's a nice story. What can it hurt? No, the difference is we believe this is God. Not, not the, I'm, I'm looking at it, but it, this is a wood carving. We believe that this baby in the manger is God come in the flesh. It's a sacred truth. It's an essential truth, and it is a transformational truth. When you believe that Jesus is God, it changes everything. Uh, I'm tempted to re-preach this morning's message. Turn over to Matthew 26 if you want to. We're ready to go to the Lord's Supper. I'm tempted to preach this morning's message, but I do want to say this. Um, to those of you who were not in the service, I gave out homework this morning. And uh, that is to, to get your hands on, and you can, you can rent this at iTunes. I think it was five bucks or something. Get your hands on a movie that was made, I think, pretty recently called The Case for Christ. And uh, it, it really is powerful. As, as I was watching it, Amy and I watched it um, on the plane and uh, or some of it on the plane as i was watching it i was thinking of some of you that have gone through the very same thing of this this woman who um <laughs> ruined their whole all their atheistic dreams uh, by making the mistake of getting saved and it for a little while tore their family apart and a lady in the church where uh she was the wife was attending held before her this promise where, where the Lord said, and he was talking to uh, Israel, but he said, I will uh, remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And she said, uh, God said he would do that for Israel, and he will do that for you. And the wife began to pray, God, give, uh, take away my husband's, his name was Lee, take away Lee's heart of stone, give him a heart of flesh. And uh, eventually God answered that prayer. Anyhow, Matthew chapter number 26, and um, with all of that said, and we're, we're merging tonight the, the birth of Christ that we're, the whole world is beginning to celebrate. And by the way, I, I'm, I, you know, I am opposed to the commercialization of, of Christmas uh, to the extreme that we do it, of course, but um, I still do love it that the whole world has a season where they recognize and acknowledge the, the birth of Christ. And uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. That, and I praise the Lord that uh, he has given us a, a president who has declared that um, it's okay to say Merry Christmas again. I love that. That's a good thing. Matthew 26. And so now we come to the end of, of the life of, of Christ. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, 
Take, eat. This is my body. I'm going to ask the men to come, please, if you would, and prepare to...